Yo, welcome to Slide, the Avalanche Podcast. It's Friday, December 9th. Welcome back. This is episode four coming to you from the shag carpet on the floor of my bedroom in the heart of the San Juan Mountains. Episode four is going to be a little bit different than the ones we've had in the past in that it's going to be shorter. So if you like that, you're welcome. If you prefer the longer ones, well, too bad. Next week's will probably be a little longer. The structure will still be pretty similar to what we've done in the past. We're going to start out with the state of the pack. And then we've got the main content block this week. It's on the narrative fallacy, which is all about the little stories we tell ourselves. And then we're going to close out, as usual, with special story time. A suggestion for those of you that haven't figured out this whole podcasting thing yet. Get it on your phone. Subscribe via iTunes or Android and have it automatically download. And that way you can listen to it as you go for a drive or put in your headphones, listen to it as you go for a tour or something like that. And if that is beyond your level of technological competency, then like I said last week, I encourage you to ask a millennial for help because I am not your tech consultant. And now on with our show. State of the pack. It sounds like it's pretty much going off in the Pacific Northwest right now. So I would imagine the skiing is real fine in the Canadian coast range as well. Most of Colorado picked up a decent shot of snow this week with more on the way. And I imagine Jackson and Utah also getting good shots of snow. Up in Jackson, they're dealing with a deep persistent slab problem last I checked. So good luck with that. And that's uh, that's about all I know about that. Uh, this may be the last state of the pack segment right here. I grow tired of it. If this is something you really enjoy, let me know and uh, maybe we'll resurrect it. Otherwise, I reckon we is going to deep six this sucker. Moving on. Humans are natural born storytellers. You may not think you're much of a yarn spinner, but I'm telling you different. You've been telling yourself stories ever since you started trying to make sense of the world around you. We avalanchistas have a propensity to tell stories that explain things, often at the expense of reality. Why is that person driving so fast? She's crazy. Why didn't I get a higher grade? Teacher hates me. Why shouldn't I high mark that slope? Something goes wrong. I'll get out of here in time. I'm quick. Stories, narratives, arise from our drive to make sense of the world and our need to process and store the information that incessantly floods our senses. You see, from a cognitive perspective, information is costly to obtain, store, manipulate, and retrieve. Think about all the beta that floods your senses, even when you're just loafing about in your sweatpants, chowing chili cheese Cheetos. Narrative creates patterns that are easier to manage. It lowers the cost of information management. Can you remember a password of 15 random characters? L-I-A-T-T-B-A-F-F-O-S-A-F-S-N. What if you pose order on their randomness? Tie them together somehow. Life is a tale told by a fool full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Your 15 characters start each word in that sentence. Thanks, Bill. A lot easier to remember now, eh? From an information management perspective, causality supports narrative. 
A story that progresses logically from cause to effect is easier to remember than one that takes wild twists and turns. Our brains just plain like causality. We feel better when we know the why. Ah, now I get it. So we are predisposed to hanker for patterns and causality. For our Japanese, Dutch, and Canadian listeners, hanker means want real bad. Boy, howdy, I got a hankering for some chili cheese Cheetos. This hankering for patterns and causality causes us to undervalue randomness and uncertainty. We have a drive to tell the story of why at the expense of uncertainty. See where I'm going yet? Uncertainty is the avalanche problem. If we disrespect uncertainty, we're just drifting through wonderland on a cloud of wishful thinking. But we're not intentional, cognitive cloud surfers. We do it unconsciously. And I... There's the rub, lassie. The narrative fallacy refers to the bunk stories we tell ourselves, the stories that increase our impression of understanding at the expense of reality. A good story will make you strut with confidence like a fox in the hen house. We took the class. We got the gear. We read the forecast. We know this place. We haven't seen any avalanches, nor any signs of instability. We are smart. We are strong. We are young. Heartache to heartache, we stand. Love is a battlefield. We are good to go. Stories are more persuasive than fact. When I spoke last week of Dr. Hagley's airbag statistics, did you find that more compelling than the videos of lives saved? Probably not. Anecdote has emotional efficacy, and the convinced are convincing when they tell their stories. Give me some snake oil. Preacher man says the rapture's coming. Last month, I heard a new term, Teton Considerable. Yep. As near as I can tell, it describes confidence in the face of not just uncertainty, but strong evidence of instability. Basically, folk are given her because they tell themselves they are faster, stronger, smarter, whatever, than the avalanche hazard. It's easy to tell stories that semantically minimize the risk of exposure and consequences. I'll only be over that cliff band for a couple seconds. This never goes unless there's more than a foot of new. Johnny Kickflip always hits it in these conditions. This kind of false confidence breaks down real fast when a slab breaks up and rams you down the mountain. That story ain't so good no more, and people stop telling it for a while. But then we start again, because we're storytellers, and we tell the stories we want to believe, the ones where we're the heroes. Well, cramming it, Doug. How do we root out these false preachers, young fabulists, and ne'er-do-well raconteurs? Eh, not so fast. You are one. So am I. We all are. So go easy. Mind the patterns in the bones that bear the chops of the narrative fallacy. Does the tale neglect to mention unknown facts? Does it fail to respect facts that are known? Does your narrative wishfully think or willfully ignore that which ill-suits your goal? Last week, maybe it was the week before, I forget, I tried to build you a compelling narrative about how competent I was to assess and manage hazard on my home turf, but I dropped some hints like, I just got here, from Peru. Did you buy my narrative? Snake oil? Or 
saffron robe. Was anything relevant missing from the story? I'll give you a hint. Yes. As I recall, persistent slab and wind slab problems were prominent components of the avalanche forecast. And the story I told, I pretty much said that I'm smarter than the forecast and left it at that. Bold claim. You ever tell yourself a story that willfully disregards or devalues new information? It's steeper, deeper, bigger, or meaner than we thought. But we probably got this. Scary story. In his exposition of the narrative fallacy, Nassim Taleb argues that we frequently impose patterns on randomness. A bowl full of tracks is not a stability pattern. It's a bowl full of tracks. We use wishful thinking to tell stories that account for unknowns. Stories of evidence that ain't. Lack of evidence is not evidence of lack. Ah, so. Narratives focus on striking events at the expense of uncertainty. Whoa, that just happened. So let's not go do that. This can be used to justify excessive aggression or excessive caution. Last week, I could have easily used the big whoops we experienced to tell a tale of danger and instability. If you watch someone center punch a big line in deep powder, that probably suits the story you want to tell about the day you're going to have. In avalanche country, often it is the lack of a striking event that supports your story. The nothing went wrong effect, an explosion, an aggressive high mark, or a big line without an avalanche, ramping it up through the day and still nothing goes wrong. Easy to tell stories of stability. The narrative fallacy is particularly potent for low-frequency, high-consequence events. Deep slab instability, for instance. This is unfortunate because low frequency can be subjective to your experience. I've never seen this slide, so we're good to go. Those guys just hit it, so we're good. Nothing went wrong, so we did everything right. Bullshit. That's not evidence. Well, geez, Doug, does this mean no more special story time? <laughs> no, my child. Stories are the special sauce of life. The stories we tell ourselves support imagination and creativity and forecasting. Spinning yarns is a critical component of decision-making, but to spin proper yarn, not to let yarn spin you. Don't let emotion dictate the terms of your exposure. Value what you know and respect what you don't know. Because there is a fine line between evidence and wishful thinking. No, there's not. It's a gaping chasm between evidence and wishful thinking. You can see it from space. And you only have to slip once to pitch into that abyss. So mind the gap in between what's real and what you're just telling yourself. Special story time!
Last week I made plans to ski something casual with 150 and reckoned a casual plus start was also a good idea. So around about noon we venture outdoors. Fred and Lamont are psyched to join us for some turns, so we got a four-pack for Saturday afternoon. It's searingly blue and crisp outside with not a whiff in the sky. Last few days have been cold with a fair bit of cloud, and we picked up a skiff of dry pow overnight. One fitty shows up with a snowmobile he got from the Sanford's lot. Vintage 80s Yamaha with a 316-inch nub track. The Beast. Beasting isn't usually my thing, but he points out our casual theme and how this will up the bar even further to casual plus plus. So I'm game. We cruise up the trailhead and the wisdom of our zen-like approach to progress becomes evident. Maybe 20 cars? A couple with snowmo trailers? It's a Saturday afternoon. We thought it would be busy. I don't know where you're from, but that's about as busy as it gets around here. So our jaws drop and we become wide-eyed and mildly confused. We're easily confused, so that's built into the plan. One fitty fires up the beast. After the smoke disperses, we shuttle everybody up the road and two quick bumps and we're good to go. Super fast climb from here, maybe 45 minutes to the top. We'll probably stretch that out to an hour plus because it's a beautiful day and we're just hanging out with low expectations. There are small groups of people everywhere. Well, there's about seven to eight small groups spread over four to five different places. At least three are ascending in places I would not. One group leaves a ridge and cuts under the primary start zone of a bowl I've seen rip and snap trees. Several choose to ascend through prominent constrictions in the terrain where the bowls above sometimes avalanche and cannon through the chokes. I don't expect to see any of that today. Today I would feel safe ascending any of the routes I see people on. Just about anywhere. But I would never choose most of them. I can't help wondering what kind of stories all these cats are telling themselves. Surely some are wandering about soaked in enthusiasm and ignorance. But others must be thinking, and maybe even talking, about what they're doing. Are they building a case for why they want to go up or down in a particular way? Why put the skin track there? Why drop in at that spot? What information are they using? What information are they unaware of and what information might they have but be resisting? Many of them have chosen terrain options that maximize exposure and consequences. Curiouser and curiouser. As we skin along, it occurs to me to mention to our salvage crew why I would avoid putting in a route like that one over there that undercuts the most heavily loaded lee part of the slope, then cuts back into it higher up. Why would you go that way? I reckon not much more than 10% of all those cars we saw came from in town. The rest drove up here an hour or more to go skiing in early December. They're motivated. They probably checked the avian weather reports and the beautiful sky and good skiing are confirming for them that everything is hunky-dory, sunshine and lollipops. They must be telling themselves stories of fact or fiction.
we are. Our story for the day goes something like this. Saturday, low tide, busiest spot in town. Good skiing will be a bonus, but it'll be great to be outside. Let's try to stay spread out and avoid the other groups. We know the best way up. No need to tell tales. Casual pace. Did I mention that? We've got a preferred option for descent, but whatever. So we ski it. Super fun. Drink a beer. Go home. Not a very compelling story. We set ourselves up for a day that wouldn't need any false narratives. And it worked great. Some of those skin tracks I saw, like I said last week, I can, I can hear the imaginary conversations justifying a route. It's probably fine. I think it gets less steep around the corner. We're only going to be in that spot for a couple minutes. Normally I wouldn't go here, but I feel good about it today. Some of those comments might be based on evidence, but I think a lot of them are just stupid little stories we tell ourselves so we can explain something we don't understand or do what we want. I've seen more than a few whiskey shaman spin yarns of close calls and wax rhapsodic on dumb luck. I think a lot of us know those tales. I've got more than a few. But these days I'm I'm a little more partial to the the boring stories. You know, we we skinned up, we went skiing, we went home. I particularly like that that last part. We went home. We didn't really have a great story to tell about it. We just had fun. That's it. That's all she wrote. Thanks, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, I encourage you to subscribe to Slide the Avalanche podcast via Android or iTunes or whatever your favorite podcasting app is. This week's emotional support provided, as always, by the Avalanche Review and the Silverton Avalanche School and the East Sierra Avalanche Center and Hawkabout Mountain Life and all those others of you that have given me feedback. Positive, negative, love it all. Bring it, bring it, bring it. Thank you. Pray for snow. <laughs>